Ciao. I have something for you. Oh, really? Zombies, voodoo, demons, and Afro-Cuban witches. There's enough here to rob you of a month's sleep. You are kind. It's wonderful. A most appropriate gift, Jenny. I got them in Brazil. They're very rare. I'm sure. Welcome to Jello Chow Chow episode. I'm going to say Chow Chow, everyone. Chow Chow, everyone. Chow Chow, Chris. <laughs> chow Chow, Creep. Sorry, everyone, I'm trying to start this off on my own because I'm recording tonight due to technical issues. I think it has to do with Chow the... Chow, everyone. It's, it's the flood in California, isn't it, Creep? It's the flood in California and... It's the only podcast that Call Graph won't work on Skype with. So, well, that's not entirely true. Call Graph is kind of a pile, but it's free, and we don't yeah. have a budget. No, we're micro budgeting this. Not even. Yeah. So, how's everybody doing? What's up? It's been a long time. Kind of has. Since I've rock and roll. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That was a Led Zeppelin reference, I think. It kind of sh- sort of was. Yeah. yeah, sounds pretty good. See, <laughs> um, this is our first week back after um, last week when we were going to record, but Eric 
forgot to tell us that he was in the car going to Grandma's house. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> was he, were you over the river and through the woods? I was deep, deep in that woods, trying to find my way out. I was, was wearing his little red um, hood thing uh-huh. with his little basket. Yep. Had the big bad wolf trying to blow my house down. Wait. I don't know which yep. nursery rhyme we're talking about here, but yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking Argento films <laughs> for a minute there. Or are we talking actual <laughs> nursery things, right? Okay. That's cool. So how's everybody doing? Everyone good? Everyone safe from the weather? I think so. What weather? It, you you don't guys have, any have weather. perfect weather right now, right? Yes. I wouldn't call it perfect. But I, it saw, I saw a fucking map good. with AccuWeather. I saw it. Little nipply, necessarily, not necessarily perfect. Uh, it's a little cold where I'm living, but um, you know, I can't complain. But at least you got your free coffee after Thanksgiving. I did. The day after Thanksgiving, I went to work and got a free coffee. So I was you one have... of the five people in all of Philadelphia who went to work on the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow. is it only to get the coffee? It was it was partly only to get the coffee and also um, it was nice to go in when there was nobody there and just have some quiet time. It's nice get... driving around on Thanksgiving and stuff. I, you said this was on Black Friday you were doing, right? Yeah. You're crazy. I'd never would leave my house on Black Friday in a million years. Well, I mean, all I have to do is get on a train and uh, go to work. So um, I didn't run into any traffic and there, there was nobody in the city. So I wouldn't have oh. driven it anywhere. And I wasn't going to a store, that's for sure. Yeah. I didn't want to get <clears throat> trampled. It's the suburbs where you got to be scared, a little bit scared. Because that's where all the or big near malls a Walmart. are. Yeah. Walmarts are. And... Yeah. I mean, I live in the suburbs, but my train station is only about uh, a half a mile from my house. So. There you have it. Yeah, that's that's the life story of Chris. <laughs> it's the life story of me. It is. What about you, Eric? Is everything all peachy keen? Well, thanks for asking. First off, yes, uh, everything is doing. Well, I asked in general, and he was the first one to talk. Oh, so well, no, I'm genuinely thanking you for. Um, yeah, I don't... Well, you're welcome, and his name is Chris. I didn't mean to call him he. He has a name. What'd you, <laughs> What'd you call me? Oh, he. Who sneaks in here. What'd you call me? Okay, so, Eric, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, I had to cook a Thanksgiving feast for the first time, so that was oh entertaining. I think, I think I did as good a job as our, our favorite uh, lady on our previous film, or previous couple films ago uh, from frenzy i was uh, cooking up some hogs feet oh yes that was the last film we did you know yeah we're oh no i'm sorry let's I'm forget thinking, my i forgot killer. about my dear killer yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it eric do they have turkey burgers at mcdonald's <laughs> they had ham balls <laughs> Yeah, was, you sly devil, you. I made out pretty good. It was just my daddy and my brother and my wife and I. So nothing huge, but, you know. 
That was entertaining. Okay, this is a stupid question. <clears throat> there was a movie or a TV show where someone had to show somebody what a good cook they were, and they kept running out back to the store across the street to buy hamburgers, and they were bringing them back and stacking them up. And they were burgers that, that were steamed or something. Hmm. Does this sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> Vaguely. Were it, they White Castle burgers? I think it's a TV show, but it could also be an episode of SpongeBob, and I'm just like completely fucking this whole thing up. <laughs> yeah. And they call them steamed clams. Okay. This might even be I Love Lucy. I don't even know what's going on right now. Those Sorry. Those are pretty similar. That's going to fucking drive me absolutely crazy. You wouldn't <laughs> believe it, but SpongeBob, I really think the writers sit around and watch I Love Lucy episodes and say, how can we take this and make it a SpongeBob episode? I really I think know. they do. <clears throat> but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Well, all right. I can say is I'm uh, I'm drinking some leftover wine from Thanksgiving right now, so I'm ready to nice. do this thing. All right. I'm ready, too. You're just wanting us to hurry up and get into the the meat and potatoes of the Thanksgiving show here. Yes, I don't want to talk about meat or potatoes or stuffing or cranberries anymore. Well, since you're so sweet and considerate, I'll tell you how my Thanksgiving was, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it was pleasant. Yes? How come we weren't invited? <clears throat> you guys could have came up to my mama's house. Oh. And then we had a little... Because my parents like to have Thanksgiving dinner at like 1. So we were back home by 3. And <laughs> we had like a little Thanksgiving ball at the building. It was pretty fun. And when I say ball, I mean we were just sitting in the back drinking tons of wine and champagne and whiskey. Yeah. Nobody so. dancing? No, no, no. I tried dancing and everyone shut me down pretty quick. So I do have to ask, uh, is there a leak in your house? No, that is um, the rain. Can you hear it? Yeah, it's raining. It's not nearly as bad as it was earlier. Stuff's coming down. But, yeah. It's been raining, like, nonstop for today, and it will be tomorrow. And it was also raining on Saturday. Oh. Or no, Sunday. It was Sunday. It was fucking pouring ass rain. So anyway, yeah, so that happened. I guess it's kind of an ambient effect. It is. It's kind of nice. It, it's sure. like, hey, we're watching a Jalo movie, guys. It's <laughs> raining outside. This is sexy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <clears throat> but real quick, I posted this thing a while. Did you? Have you guys watched the show Hannibal? Yes. No. Okay, like first season Hannibal, it's beautiful, man. Like everything I like about these movies, like they do it pretty good on that show, with the exception of the the Furberg and all the um, pretty ladies. But like like set design and wardrobe, it's just ridiculous, dude. That show like is, oh, it's fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. So if you if you like to have your eyeballs titillated, get take a look at the first season of that show. Second season not so much, but first season, oh my god, it's like a fucking smorgasbord of beautiful eyeball stuff. 
I saw the I saw your post. uh, Any of our podcast listeners are going to be able to deal with uh, that dripping sound. It's getting louder. Let's just say I have a weird gonorrhea pee. (laughs) It's getting louder, huh? Yeah, Yeah. it's starting to come down. (laughs) Just snuggle up under a blankie while you're listening to the show, guys. Light a fire in the fire spot. You'll be fine. The weather here sucks. Am I shuffling papers? No. Dude, is this like, hey, let's find out a way to make creep feel like shit day? Because you guys are doing a bang up job. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're just getting to that point in the show where it's it's healthy. Okay. It's healthy. It's healthy for peas. It is. It's a lot of fun. Well, um, I think we should get right into our presentation because for those of you listening out there at podcast land, you had no idea that it was taking me longer to get ready because my computer was boxing itself and the funny little man from Pinball Pizza didn't get here quick enough with my dinner. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah, no, they had no idea about that at all. Yeah. So now we all know. Behind the scenes, turmoil. Yep. <laughs> so, um, our feature presentation this episode is the super fun Umberto Lindsay film *Knife of Ice*, which has oh, I'll just let you keep going because we can talk about that right now. Yeah, Isn't the music? This is like probably my third favorite theme song of any movie. Uh-huh. It's really yeah. good. I have to say, I, I it it grew on me really quickly. I really like the it's uh, probably I the, like all of the soundtrack. Yeah, I'm it's weird because it has that of this film. It has that like backbeat of like the cannibal movies, you yeah. know, like and then it just goes into this bitchin' freaking. Oh my gosh, I love it. You'll just have to crank it up. It is really, it's true. It's really like reminds me of, of um, some of the other like Lenzi non Giallo type movies. Um, it, it, it's a jarring soundtrack. It's like the main theme is is really cool, but um, some of the other um, some of the other selections in the theme are really cool too, <clears throat> or soundtrack are really cool too. Like they're not. Your typical Eno Morricone, just you know, surrealistic. Real noisy. quick, do you have the soundtrack? No, I don't. Okay, well then, I could look sucks. for it. That would be awesome. That it exists. You can find it. I don't think it does. It's like the same song played like eight different ways, and then there's this one yeah. song that sounds like a 1986 video game, like when they're pulling the body out of the grave. It's like some weird, like Super Mario Brothers, like when you're underground or something. Like you fight Bowser. The composer, he doesn't. I looked up a couple of his soundtracks. He does have a couple that have been released, but I think it's all his Western stuff, which I do get that influence in this soundtrack too, but I don't think this particular film has a lot. I mean, the film itself is kind of hard to find, I think, but. 
Yeah. When you talk about westerns, I think if you did like a, if it was like going do 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 do, and then was like, yeah, like do do, right? Like that works. Totally does. Maybe like a, yeah, like a guy wailing in the background. Yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, we're awesome. We should just start scoring our own stuff. Mm-hmm. This is all legit, really good. All right. <clears throat> so to let you guys know what this movie Knife of Ice is about, because um, here's the this big is, shocker. Uh, we should tell everybody this is your pick, right? Oh, uh, creep. my gosh. I can't believe you guys are already going to start on this. Yes. No, no, no. I mean... This no, is my only, pick. Only for the only for the sake of usually it's the person who picks it, who does like the synopsis yeah. and introduces the film. That's all. Okay, I was getting a little defensive because of all the shit you guys Just have been talking all let, day long. Let down so, that guard. My dude. apologies. Everything's okay. <laughs> I gotta I gotta just spread let a little it bit go. of my let stuff. It go. Yeah, we're all united. Well, anyway. Here. We're all united in our yellow pajamas. Okay. Yep. Well, just so you guys know, um, there is no knife of ice in this film. So if you come watching this film to see someone stab someone with a knife of ice or something like that, you are not going to get it. Um, What this movie is about, though... It's about the lovely Carol Baker picking up her uh, cousin from the train station. And Carol, whose name is Martha, if I'm not mistaken. Martha? Yes. She was in an accident, in a train accident, as a child. And her parents threw her out of the train before the train went up in flames and they all burned to death and died. Since this happened, she lost the ability to speak. So she's uh, a mute um, girl who's very pretty but mute. And she lives with her fun-loving but creepy dying uncle, Uncle Ralph, who's played by our boyfriend, Georges Regal. And he's amazing. I absolutely think this guy's the shit. But anyway, so Cousin Jenny, Uncle Ralph, and... um, can't talk Martha uh, go to their little villa and I believe Spain and um, you know the whole neighborhood comes out you have the priest and the mayor and the doctor and it's just you know the who's who of wherever the fuck they are okay and um, they hear a noise in the middle of the night and the older sister or no not the older sister Jenny the cousin goes out to t- take a look and see what it is and her throat gets split open by some sort of sharp bladed object and this just starts a series of events it was not ice no it was not cold it wasn't it was just steel damn it some damn metal steel and um, this starts a series of events where everything from uh Basically, everyone in the house is starting to die, but at the same time, everyone in this movie is a fucking suspect. Like, they go out of their way to make sure you think every fucking person in this movie is capable of fucking killing everybody. And that's one of the reasons why I love this movie so much, because it's just, like, at any time they can 
do a zoom in close up of someone looking sinister or glaring, <laughs> they'll fucking do it, no matter what. Like no matter if it's out of place in the scene or what, everybody is a suspect. And um, as the bodies start piling up, they start thinking that it might be a satanic cult um, and not just a sex. Um, putting this together because there was a body of a young girl who was probably the best looking chick in this whole movie and she was in it for about an eighth of a second was found dead on the rocks <clears throat> on some ditch so they started putting together that it might be someone just attacking fair haired girls but then it turns out all these motherfuckers are getting killed so um, it goes from there and it's just to me this movie is so much fun because of all the red herrings and just the ridiculous snap zooms on everything and everybody. It just makes it a whole lot of fun. <clears throat> and there really isn't a whole lot of information about the movie. In fact, I don't really know. Um, I don't know when it was actually released in America, but it ha couldn't have been that long ago, the initial release of it. I don't think it got a theatrical here or even like a like a VHS release here. Um, so I don't know if any of you guys know anything about that, but, um, I don't know if you want to, I would like to kind of talk about little bits of it and how the story kind of unfolds, but, um, do you guys have any thing to say about it? Just going into it. Well, you mentioned all the red herrings and they were all men. That's very sexist. Of no, them. not all of them. There what? was, there was a couple, there was, um, the maid. They did not make her maid a name? suspect. Oh fuck yeah, they did. Like when that whole thing, like when <clears throat> the looking out the window. Yeah, when it was exactly. Oh, that was so good. Whatever. The, the the doctor was telling the police officer like, why did he come back to get his? I think bag that was more to then... implicate the doctor though, wasn't it? But before that whole thing happened, she was like looking like really like doing her suspicion just glares at freaking Carol Baker's awesome hair. Yeah. <laughs> pretty awesome. Okay, fine. I'll give it to them. It's not sexist. But, uh, yeah. I'd... It's funny that there were so many red herrings in this one, and, and I'm probably the last to ever guess who the killer is in a film, but uh, this, this one I actually, I think I caught on pretty early on. And though I did kind of enjoy the ending and the route that they took i was actually a little bit let down because i always kind of enjoy that reveal and that twist you know making you second guess who this person could be whereas in this one it was like once i figured it out it i don't know the fun kind of got sucked out of it a little bit um <clears throat> like we were saying the red herrings i think that would have been a lot more fun if i still was guessing the whole way through being this was my first time watch but um, well, there is a part of me that wants to call bullshit on this but i won't because oh, I, I knew that was becoming eventually <laughs> <laughs> i'm watching this going i'm watching this what ended up happening for me and we, we won't spoil the end right now but um although we will eventually <clears throat> what happened for me is i watched the whole thing uh last sunday and monday in preparation for us doing the podcast last week and uh did my article for the website and then um when we when we postponed the um, the, po the podcast, uh, I didn't 
really go back to it and think about it uh, very much. So I actually went and rewatched it again today, and watching it again, knowing the ending, I, I caught all of those places where I know that Creep is going to call bullshit, basically, or give us a raspberry. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I've only well, seen it once. My first, my first I, big I bullshit was, was just on Eric finding out who did it on his first watch. You don't well, think, think that's what, possible? Really... <laughs> no, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's one it, scene. It may be that it's, uh, just, it's just about the fact that, you know, Creep likes Lindsay. He's a, he's a Lindsay uh, sympathizer. Oh. And uh, it is his pick. So he probably... You make it sound like it's a bad thing to like him, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, though. It's not at all. He gets a bad rap for um, his cannibal films, but I do like... I, di- I have enjoyed the, the Jolly films that we watched of his. What I will say right off the bat, though, um, the beginning of this movie is horrible, and it's long, and it's there's no point in it. The... The animal cruelty in this movie has no place. There's no purpose for it. There's, and I'll I argue I, that, I've, but I'll let you continue. I've watched it a bunch of times, and I'm like, okay, well, so she could say that, like, in seeing this happen and seeing her cousin be so into it, like, it made her like go cuckoo for cocoa puffs and shit. But, like, that's never touched on. You know what I'm saying? It's not directly touched on, and I don't know how close we want to tread to the surface of this without uh, spoiling it, but I don't think it's touched upon overtly, but I do think, and I'll, you know, of course, animal cruelty doesn't really have a place in film to begin with, but uh, being that this is bullfighting and you've got the crowd all jazzed up for it, once again, it's kind of that whole thing about these people are enjoying violence they're watching violence getting a kick out of it this is what you people are doing this is what's wrong with you you're you're enjoying this sort of thing as so well. you think it was a social commentary on the people watching the film more than the people in the film a little bit and kind of giving end up giving the killer a little bit of leeway or a little bit of you know sympathy as to why this person committed these crimes because the people she he or she killed were corrupted <laughs> like seriously if that was Lindsay's take on this i think people don't give him enough credit at all but i highly fucking doubt it could be that, that they're in spain was. and they wanted to show some bullfighting yeah i'm sure it was like a hey this adds production value yeah. let's get a couple good shots of this true true this is the bloodiest scene in the whole film it's fucking disgusting dude it is yeah, like, and, and I don't know. Doesn't like, really look like a sport to me. What's it's like, what's, what's the current like um, mindset with bullfighting now? Like, I don't even know. Obviously, in '72, you know, people went to bullfights. I remember maybe 10, 15 years ago, I had friends that went to Spain and went to a bullfight. But is it still something that they do over there? Are they? Are they? Have they become like a little bit more? Um, you know. Uh, conscious of the animal cruelty thing or is it still like steeped in tradition and that's the way it goes I want to say it's still going on maybe not as prevalently but um, yeah the, the cruelty of animals and things like that isn't as 
regulated worldwide as it is in some parts of the world. I just think that there's some ways to make that a sport and what they were doing in this movie is not that like you put people in a narrow hallway and you put horns on the guy and you make them run at the bull and the bulls run full speed. That's a sport. (laughs) That's the sport. But this shit where they stab it from a horse and then go, okay, bloody bull, go fight a dancing man. Like that's a bunch (laughs) of bullshit. No pun. Yeah, it looks like they've been banning it since the 90s, and it's gone down quite a bit as of recently, Um, but it's still pretty prevalent in, like, southern Spain, it it appears. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so that said, that was a little too much, and it desensitized you to the fact that later you see the kitten dead. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, like, if that bullshit, I didn't mean to even use that term, but if the bull thing at the beginning (laughs) didn't happen, I think the cat, the dead cat, would have been, like, really, like, horrific. But because they spent way too much time and all the flashbacks on that fucking bull thing, that was just ridiculous. So there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't watch this film or won't watch it because they heard that that's in this or something like that. And to me, I really wish there was a way either that that could get cut out of the movie or something like that, or that people would just like skip the beginning and close their eyes during flashbacks. Because I honestly think this is a really good, fun film besides that bit. But then you don't get that that musical score that we love so much. We well, you know Lindsay was notorious for that stuff. I mean, the cannibal films, uh, dead air. Was there, was there a delay? I, I, uh... Oh yeah. The cannibal films. <laughs> I was... And then you got really scared. I... Didn't want to talk. No, you, no, you were talking, uh, Eric, maybe we have like some kind of weird, like, delay or something because i i was in mid-sentence and then you started talking oh really oh yeah then there's a delay because you guys were both talking at the same time go for it man what (laughs) what was i even saying i have no idea the cannibal films yeah i mean uh if you look at what make them die slowly it's every other scene there's something related to one animal pitted against another animal, um, you know, the the snake going after the uh, what was it, like a muskrat or something, and then they they kill the turtle, and then that was a different movie. Pause for a plane. Are you guys Holy serious? The loudest fucking thing I've ever heard. In my life. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I was waiting for well, uh, yeah, that's coming. Trust me. It's <laughs> raining outside, so people are going crazy. Yeah, it's... I swear to God, it rains in Southern California, and like people fucking think that like the world's ending, and oh, it's just, it's crazy. It drives me absolutely nuts. 
Well, it's funny that like a guy like Carlo Rambaldi can be brought to court for his fake dog vivisection scene, but then yeah, you can have like bullfighting and or the the uh, snake eating the monkey scene um, in in uh, Lindsay's films. So and those are totally exploitive. Uh huh. You know what I'm right. saying? It's not like I don't think a lot of these scenes push the narrative at all. Like, at least in Fulci's, there was, like... I don't even want to say there was a reason for it. But, like, that dog scene, it was like, oh, bitch is going crazy. Here, open this door and see this weird shit. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. But in this, I just... And in a lot of these, I just feel like... It's like, hey, we're wild and crazy people who do wild and crazy things. We have production value. Yeah. Woot, woot. You know? And it's just that just really gets to me <clears throat> but i guess if you're gonna let this little girl in this movie you'll let anything in it so um there's that and i can't believe we haven't talked about the guy in the yellow shirt with the fucking chicken on it that's sitting next to them at the bullfight holy shit <laughs> where did he get that shirt see that i feel like that's a rewatch I thing I that I I'll noticed catch. That. it's a horrendous shirt and it's like one of those ones with the really big open cut necklines. So he's just rocking and rolling all by himself in the bullfight. But anyway, um, didn't mean to totally derail that train. No pun intended, Carol Baker's character. Ooh. Oh, Martha. wow. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the fun things about this movie I think is how silly all of their findings are it's like oh we found a dead woman it must be a sex maniac now we've heard that a thousand times okay that's nothing new it is silly how they come to the conclusion that um, if a girl's dead it has to be a sex maniac but then when they find out that um, there's a, a janky medallion with a little goat head on it it's like full-on satanic cult and the way they talk about it like probably then it might have been like "Ooh, this is kind of on the edge this this is crazy but when you hear how they talk about satanism and the cults and everything in this it sounds so freaking like preschool the way they talk about it and it's like all like seriously legit and they're like oh wow this is a problem oh fuck man holy shit yeah. just like how you were saying like the um this guy he's from london and he's a satanist that's it yeah that's so- all we know <laughs> his name is his name is something rudy rudy mason uh, he's from england and he worships the devil <laughs> And that's all we know. And then the guy goes, well, that should be enough. <laughs> it's just everything about it. And like, oh, this guy does heroin. So obviously he has white specks all over his eyes. <laughs> you know? And like every time something... Like the way people leave conversations in this movie cracks me up. Like the phone rings and the maid answers it. And she's all freaked out because no one's saying anything. And she's like... I don't know what it is. No one's saying anything. And then Uncle Ralph's like, oh, probably a wrong number. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Just kills it. Yeah, we talk about it's the just... dubbing a lot, and it's 
I don't know if it's a problem with the dubbing or it's just lazy writing because a lot of it did feel really lazy like that. Well, I was I watched it with subtitles as well, and it's not very far off. Okay, <laughs> from the dub, if that makes any difference. Uh-huh. But um, there's just so many little scenes like this where, like, they'll just say something brand. You would never leave someone's house or leave somebody the way they leave things in this movie. It's like I'm in mid sentence. And then they're just, they walk off frame. Or like the guy, he's like, that she comes out, she's like, oh my god, where were you? I was freaking out. And he's like, I went to get cigarettes. And when I returned, it was foggy. You know, like, <laughs> just everything is so weird. Yeah. But it cracks me up. I think it's so fucking funny. That made for probably the best scene in the film, though. The whole foggy city. She was all alone <laughs> hearing the footsteps. That was really the only atmospheric scene in the film, um, for me anyway. It felt like the rest of it was, you know, it wasn't that suspenseful or the killer stalking scenes didn't really exist in the film other than that. Well, well, what about the scene where um, the lights go out and she goes into the wine cellar and she keeps lighting match after match trying to, you know, to figure out you know, I guess what's going on. And then all of a sudden we cut to the police just showing up at the door and they walk in and there she is on the, on the floor with an extension cord wrapped around her neck. It's like, uh, is this an edit? What happened yeah. here? Um, Bad did, editing. did we miss something? Well, no, but I, don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming that that's the way the movie was supposed to be, but yeah, it was, you know, if you're not paying attention, um, I, see, I don't know, like, the whole theory of, you know, that the audience doesn't usually pay attention when, uh, you know, the, the intended audience in the 70s didn't pay attention to these films. So maybe if, you know, you're watching her walk through the wine cellar and uh, she's lighting match after match and you're not paying attention and then all of a sudden the police show up, um, I guess that's fine. But for somebody like, you know, for us, we're, we're watching it and it's like, well, did I, did something get cut out or did we miss something or... You know, so uh, I, I didn't really. I that, think with that, that scene, that what it was film. was that the the one cop's like, "Hey, I was supposed to be gone already, and no one's fucking here yet, so I'm gonna leave." And so he leaves. She starts freaking out. What is that at the end? I thought that was at the end where there was supposed to be a guard. That was oh, the other that's thing. Right, that's right. Really, that was really strange. Like, like here's this woman who's supposed to be. Well, of course, maybe we understand why he left. Um, because of the way the the way the movie ended, but um, he was like, "Yeah, hey, there's going to be a guard around the clock," and then he comes in. And he's like, "Yeah, the other guy hasn't come yet." So, uh, all right, I'll see you later. That was awesome. Yeah, and he split. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. And when we get into it, so to let, make the long story short, so we can actually talk about this, it turns out that the killer is actually Martha, who. Um, According to the doctor, who is now the investigator for some fucking reason, the reason why was because she killed her cousin because her cousin was a world-famous singer who, from what I could tell, sucked balls. (laughs) But uh, Martha was so mad because she couldn't talk that she she killed her. And then I, I still don't understand why she killed the maid. That didn't make sense to me. I, I understand why she killed the little girl because the little girl 
knew about it, but the little girl knew about it because she killed the maid. Didn't they say she felt like the thrill of it or something like that, and she wanted to... That's such a fucking guess. Yeah. We guessed that you really dug eh. that. She liked the thrill of it. She was just standing right there. <laughs> she was like, uh, I can't say So they, they put this big, giant thing together that in no fucking way on Earth would this ever happen in a million years where she runs out of her house across the street into the cemetery and then finds this one mausoleum crypt to go down into where she finds a coat and a hat and a gun. And then the chauffeur shows up, Marcus, who is like the most fucking incriminating looking motherfucker in this whole goddamn movie. And she starts shooting at him and nothing happens. And then her uncle, who was supposed to be dead, who's not dead, shows up with the doctor and the cop. And they're like, hey, bitch, we found you out. And this is why. I'm going to pace back and forth and act smart and not look like a drunk monkey while I tell you what you did wrong. And then she's, like, able to talk because it, like, scared the shit out of her or whatever, the whole thing. Now, first off, if they would have ended the movie like this was all fake and all these people were killed, aren't really dead, and we're just trying to scare you into getting your voice back... <clears throat> I would have thought hands down this is the coolest movie I've ever fucking seen. That <laughs> would have been fucking awesome. And I was April so Fool's yeah, totally. But I was so thinking that that's what was happening. And then um fuck, man. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, so she did this shit." So the funny thing for me is I absolutely despised a movie that had the exact same twist which was a lizard in woman's skin. And so if you haven't seen that, I fucking apologize, people. But uh, <clears throat> the same thing happened in that movie. And I fucking, I'm like, God, this movie is just getting stupider and stupider by the fucking second. But for some reason in this movie, I think it's fucking playful and fun and amazing. So, like... Because you, you didn't pick lizard in woman's skin. It's not that. It's it, like... <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm only going to like the movies that I pick. It's full No, it's not that. It's just, it's just I didn't like that movie. But this one, I feel like, was a lot more fun. And it was just like, it almost was like there was a point in the movie where they're like, okay, we're going all out and there's no way we could get back from this. So let's just throw all of our shit in the fan and hope something fucking happens. But it like, was just so ridiculous. Like I was saying... There are points in the movie that hint towards it, so it didn't feel like it was one of those out-of-left-field reveals like a lot of these yellow films are. It was, you know, her sitting at the funeral, lifting one knee up so she didn't have both knees on the ground because she didn't want, you know, to be blasphemous and pray at a funeral where she killed the person. Uh, it was little things Ooh. like that that kind of revealed... Look at you. I just thought he was going, mm, I want a taste of that milky, yeah. fleshy. I know you did. Mm. So it was, yeah. that's, I didn't get that either. That was the thing that really put it over for me when I was saying it kind of when I was really looking for the killer. That was something that I noticed. And so it was, it was something that I felt like they planned all along. It was just sloppy and um, poor writing getting there, getting on, on that route there. Um, that was clever how they played off the death of old, old Uncle Ralph. And he came back. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I was kind of excited about that. But. Other than that, it was kind of... Okay, tell me how many times, though, you thought to yourself, the killer's Uncle Ralph. 
I didn't. I thought that was too easy. Him and the the limo driver. I thought maybe it could have been the doctor because you know he was saying he was, you know, had all these busy appointments. He was an OBGYN somehow. You know, he had to deliver a baby as well as. So I'm just like, this guy's making shit up. But my funny thing for me, like, as soon as I saw the priest, I'm like, ah, shit, this movie's ruined. Right. I'm like, of course the priest did it. Bastard. I didn't think it was that fun of a movie. Like I was saying, I don't know if it was because I kind of had an idea of who it was the rest of the way through, so... I don't know, but it definitely is a more fun version of Don't Torture a Duckling, if I could say that. I honestly think you're the first person I've ever met who's seen this movie who picked her out as the killer when they first watched it, so I applaud you, Mr. Bergstrom. I usually consider myself the worst guesser of all time. That's me applauding. Well, you guessed good this time, Mr. I got it. I'm... I'm better at this whole thing. The dubbing I thought was funny. Like, I I know you talked about it a second ago, but, like, when George Regard talks, he sounds like fucking Colin Clive in Bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) Like, he's whining, like, it's black magic. Like, everything he's... And I was just, like, cracking (laughs) up the whole fucking time. I was just picturing Colin Clive, like, every time he opened his mouth. It was great. Like and to me, I love that shit. So maybe I'm liking this movie for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But like, I think the guy, uh, what's his name, uh, the limo driver. I thought he was like the obvious red herring, and then speckly eye weirdo guy was an obvious red herring. And so with the whole thing with the the uncle, like. <clears throat> Here are these books on the occult and all this. Oh, this is awesome. Great. Thanks a lot. And then just like the more you learn about him, he seems like this total occultist. And at the end of the day, he still could have been the one who was like in charge of the black masses. We don't know because it doesn't matter to the story. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Holy drop it. <clears throat> I was kind of upset. Not upset, but let down by once speckle eye guy was free to go yeah and they and like the uncle was a big bit you know she went to spain and got him the or to was it brazil and got him those books yeah and they just totally they're dropped rare them. i'm sure yeah yeah but like i liked all this stuff like with when they got the guy in there and it would have been really easy for carol baker to pin it on speckle eye guy because they wanted to fucking lock him up and throw away the key Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like, "No, I don't know if that was him. I didn't see him, but I saw him these other two times. But I don't know if that was him." Yeah. And then he's like, "Yeah, that chick's not dead. She overdosed, and for some stupid reason, I buried her under a bunch of rocks." And so, so like, okay, I guess we can that, let is, go now. Is this where you're calling bullshit? Because I mean, she'll well, she'll, she'll, she'll murder bullshit. she'll murder three people, but she won't lie to the police, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. The thing I'm calling bullshit on is when she was in the fog, being chased through the fog, her hair was perfect. It didn't get frizzy at all. And there's no way a girl could have that hair in that kind of damp weather and not have her hair look like big ol' fro puff by the time she's done. 
that's where I call bullshit. Everything else in this movie is completely legit. <laughs> oh, so you're coming around to it, huh? <laughs> but yeah. That's a good point. I guess it. Well, actually, I'm calling bullshit on. So we didn't have. Our inspector or our police department wasn't totally incompetent, but when they were chasing old Speckly Eye through the graveyard, it was kind of funny that they like played up the whole like Sherlock Holmes inspector when he was walking through the graveyard with his pipe as they're chasing this guy. It's like put the pipe down and nab this sucker. <laughs> well, I also this... I also ahead. thought it was funny that they they added this little kind of just this little kind of flavor to the to the uh, police chief guy or the inspector in, in that he you know he was running a fever he had you know uh, some yeah. sort of a, an illness like it didn't really have anything to do with anything it didn't pertain to the to the story but it allowed them to have uh, him and the doctor have a discussion and I guess maybe they you know I always feel that they come up with these things in order to to to, to further characterize the characters and give them a little bit more you know uh, dimension but you know maybe it was just you know hey we need to fill up some time with some, some you know some non sequiturs basically I don't know. My guess is that he really was sick and had the flu and was worried that he looked like shit so he just worked it into everything he was saying. I'm sick I'm still sick I feel like shit. Yeah. Well you're a doctor say something. Well you should probably stay in bed for eight days oh, i can't do that i'm the inspector oh yeah. well well then i know how he feels it, it's very silly do you <laughs> yep. and what did you guys like all the copyrighted infringements that happened on this film i don't know if i, I know what, can you like the the janky snoopy necklace and oh. the donald duck toy oh yeah i thought there those were go. just uh you know, reminiscent of, well, I guess this was the same year as Don't Torture a Duckling, but kind of that, that same call to of, you know, the children's play toy could not be so innocent after all. So do you think that in Sister Ursula, it was paying homage to this film oh, by yes. having a picture of Donald Duck above the prostitute's bed? Donald Duck is all over in these films, people. You just have to pay attention. Yeah. That needs to be. Wait, what'd you say? That needs to be a new point on Jalo score. Yes. Yes, I agree. D Donald Duck is featured. Yep. That's but um, the little signature. girl is a. Yeah, it is a signature for sugar. But that little girl was a complete bitch. It didn't help that she had like a 40 year old woman dubbing her voice. She's like, where's that fucking necklace? Why did you take it off? Well, whatever. I guess that's okay. Gosh. She was just... Me and then she was holding the cat up by the neck. Yeah. Like, look at all the blood on Kitty. It's a bad cat. Naughty cat. I'm gonna have to... Oh, wait a second. Can I blow There's another raspberry on that? Yeah. I dare ya. So they... The cat walks through it with the next morning after the woman is killed and that blood is still wet. When, doesn't blood dry up pretty quickly? Unless well, there's a lot a of it. Big pool of blood. Okay. You know, it got a little bit on its tummy. I, I think it was funnier that the girl who can't talk decides to lick the blood instead of just smell it. Because paint <laughs> smells like something. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that at all. 
They didn't, they didn't know what AIDS was in 1872. Wow. That's where we went with that. Well, <laughs> just pointing out a factual thing. Because they, they didn't have it until, what, 81 with grids? Well, they didn't know Is about that right? it. right? Yeah. It's this existing. is back when sex was safe. Sure. <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about the telephone in the office in his bedroom that she gets on. That bitchin' phone where the dial's on the bottom of it. No, we have not talked about that. Oh, that's a beautiful telephone, people. We, we also haven't talked about the telephone that seems to be ringing during the funeral which is actually not supposed to be a telephone. It's supposed to be like the church bells that they ring, you know, in the, in the middle of the mass ceremony. But it just sounded like a telephone. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's going on here? The phone's ringing in the middle of this. Uh, Turn off your cell phone. Carol. Carol. Or Martha. Sorry. <laughs> there was just a lot of um, gold and white in the decor which I'm kind of a vomiter on. Oh, yeah? Not really a big fan of that. My grandma had a lot of that, and so it just looked like my grandma's place. This whole film was pretty the, colorless. And I don't like green grandfather clocks. Who would do that? Who, who in their right mind? No, seriously. Like, who would have a grandfather clock and go, hey, we should paint this green? Mm-hmm. Like, grandfather clocks should be wood color. They should look like wood. Am I alone on this? No. They didn't understand, you know, how to keep things in antiquity, you know, keep it keep it untouched. You know, in the 70s, they just wanted to glam everything up. Yeah. Creep, I, I really don't know how you were able to pick out <laughs> the guy with the yellow shirt. I mean, it's literally on the screen for a second. Unless, I know, and it's ridiculous. He's, he's just sitting there. Everyone else is going ape shit crazy, and he's just sitting there like, "I'm gonna have to wear this ugly ass shirt." Is, 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 do they cut to that to that shot more than once, or is it just once? You see it like maybe like two or three times. Oh, okay. It's not like a lot. Like and, he's and, just and right next is, to the girl. And what is it that's on his shirt? A chicken? You think? It's like a rooster, but it's like bedazzled. <laughs> It's he has the greatest like, hair, though. It's just a bedazzled cock. His hair is amazing. I don't know. That guy must have been, like, the art director or something. Because they're <laughs> obviously not at the bullfight. It's just like, hey, let's put a bunch of people right here and act like you're watching a bullfight. You know? But, uh... Yeah. What do you think about uh, Marcus's glasses at the beginning of the movie? They made him look like he had mean, mad eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> they were kind of kind of sinister looking. Just, I think everyone was such a good, like, maybe a baddie. And then when he walks in behind her, he, like, does his fingers on the door like fucking Vincent Price or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were, good. they were good baddies. I will give them that. Yeah, and none of them were baddies. No. Dude, I want to trust that guy to take out my trash, dude. I'm sorry I can't take you to the store tomorrow I only found out just now the carburetor (laughs) Um, do you think the hippie satanist 
looked like Ethan Hawke. Maybe a little bit. Uglier version, and Ethan Hawke isn't that great looking, so... I am I am drawing these... As we continue to talk about this, though, I am drawing these Fulci parallels, like, you know... Um, there are a bit. It's, it's lizard in a woman's skin, and I think that, you know, the point that you made, Creep, is that Fulci... When he, when they did Lizard in a Woman's Skin, that it it got to be so convoluted, and trying to follow this story, and that you eventually understand that it was the woman who did it, you know, at the end. Um, with this, it's like, well, it's not a convoluted story. It's just, you know, we're trying to figure out who the killer is, and then they say it's it's Margaret or Martha, and then they explain it, and it's kind of like, okay, we, you know. I, I think the the Fulci thing, like, you know, with with the uh, with the guy from England who's on drugs, and they bring him in, and they think that he's the killer, and he confesses, but he doesn't really confess, and uh, you know, the the Donald Duck thing, and uh, it, it, there's there's so much that's uh, similar to not only the don't don't torture a duckling, but also um, lizard in a woman's skin. It's like I don't know. Which of those movies came first? I mean, it's these it's, all came out around the same time, though, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the um, uh, Lindsay put out what Seven Bloodstained Orchids only like six months before this one came out. So, um, you know, they they were just you know they were just rattling them off, obviously. But um, no, I really, I, I mean, I like the film uh, more, more than I thought I would because. Um, I don't know. There's something about Carol Baker in a Jalo that makes me feel like it's an older Jalo, like it's a it's a late '60s Jalo yeah. because I guess she was in all of those. But this one isn't late '60s. It's '72, and um, but it just it's got that it's got that feel. Like if you watch Seven Bloodstained Orchids, it definitely has more of an Argento kind of look to it. Um, and the way that the story is and and uh but, but this film uh it reminds me of fulci it, early fulci it reminds me of um some of the earlier giallo uh in general i've only seen a couple of them and it also um it reminds me of some of Lindsay's later work it's got that style um you know that 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 style that you that you that is hinted at in the cannibal films and in uh, what was that what was that movie that Lindsay did where they were they were zombies but they ran really fast I forget what it was called like uh, City of the Living Dead or City of the Walking Dead or something um, it's got that it's got that Lindsay kind of uh, signature uh, style to it. But um, it's a it's a giallo that doesn't get too complicated for its own good. It's just kind of fun, um, and uh, you know, like you said, creep. I mean, everybody in the every every character in the film is is kind of doing the, the I'm a suspect like to like to like a, at a hyper level, um, just to make it like even more emphasized, just to make it even more re- kind of ridiculous. But for some for some reason, I guess that. The level of ridiculousness here just works. Uh, it, it's not so over the top that you're like, "Oh, this is ridiculous! I can't even watch it." But it's not trying to be super serious, it's, you know. It's yeah, not as like 
it's not as silly as like eyeball like eyeball is a little sillier um than this film but seven blood stained orchids i think is a little bit more serious and uh the, the other lindy i miss that there's an airplane crashing in my house yeah i said i said every time i talk I'll, a plane goes flying. <laughs> um, trying to remember what the other uh, the other Lindsay uh, Jalos are. I guess that like Spasmo. Oh, Spasmo is a weird film. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I, this. I don't think this is my favorite Jalo. I mean, clearly it's not my favorite Jalo, but it's definitely um, better than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's not as trash. It's certainly not as trashy as Eyeball. I mean, if you want a trashy film, then you want to watch Eyeball instead. Yeah. There, there's 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 no nudity. There's no sex in this one. And I think this is completely unrelated to what I just said. But I think what's also interesting is that they had at least one character that they didn't have to dub any languages in for it. And this is one of the only Jolly that I, I remember where they had somebody who didn't talk at all. Uh, and so there was no problem with uh, the international dubbing for at least one character. I don't know. Car- Carol Baker is uh, American, so she would have been able to do her own English soundtrack, I guess. But well, um, <clears throat> as far as like the look of it goes, Carol Baker, I don't think changed her hairstyle for like 20 years. Yeah. So she has that 60s hairdo. And a lot of the stuff she wears looks just like the shit she wore in, like, 67 and 68. You know? It's like she's, like, this weird little time capsule baby. You right. know? Which is cool. Like, I dig that about her, you know? But, um, because she, she was, like, the Edwidge before Edwidge, you know? That's right. She was, right. like, I actually saw girl. that comparison somewhere. Oh, did you? <laughs> she's Lindsay's Edwidge. She's super cute in this, you know? And, like, you feel for her the whole fucking time. For her having to emotionally act the whole film, I mean, that's asking a lot of an actor. I thought she did a great job with that um, throughout the throughout the film. And especially at the ending, you know, during the reveal, that was just some, some classic emotional acting. And then when she finally did get to speak, you know, reciting that poem that she pulled up a recording or her cousin gave her a recording of and it kind of fit in with with her whole thing about you know the, yeah. the criminal going to execution yeah yeah that was cool yeah what'd you think about her tapping on the phone with a fork i don't <laughs> get how they understood what the hell she was saying that would have fucking driven me up the fucking wall dude <laughs> I like when she clapped. She was doing that clap. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to try that for a whole day at work or something. <laughs> See how that goes. Um, one thing I did want to say, too, like uh, talking about like the look of it being super, um, I mean, not super fulci, but like there was a lot of similarities there. I really think the scene where the black glove assailant knocks the um, Donald duck off the table and it goes rolling down the stairs and then starts rolling towards the door. I thought that was super Argento looking mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. And the scene even looks different. It look, it looks lit different than the whole rest of the movie. Just like that one chunk looks completely different than the whole rest of the movie. It's so weird. 
It is odd. But I liked it. Yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that. It. I like things rolling downstairs, especially if they're inanimate objects. That's always kind of creepy. It was fun. Um, and then there's also a lot of medallion shit in this movie, like from the goat head to the um, Snoopy thing, which is very reminiscent of Seven Bloodstained Orchids, which was, you said he did that right before this one? I think so. I think right before. I think uh, they're both in the same year, and um, I believe... Uh, Orchids came out in, like, February, and this came out, like, six months later. Well, speaking of Orchids, um, Franco Fantasia, who plays Inspector Duran in this, Duran, he plays basically the exact same character in Seven Bloodstained Orchids. He plays uh, Lieutenant Renzi. Well, he's damn good at it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, like, do that again. So that makes sense that these were made, like, right next to each other. It's almost like they're doing like a series, but instead of them being for TV, they're they're just for for film because people probably at that time, you know, the 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 audience that they were making these films for, maybe they didn't all have TVs, um, so they went out to the movie theater instead. So it was like, okay, we're gonna make you a, we're gonna make a film. It's a murder mystery. Now six months later, here's a new one. It's got some of the same characters. It's got kind of the same theme. You know, so if you get keep people coming back. I, I, I don't know. That sounds that sounds like a plausible theory. No, it is. Or why like, they would um, do it this way? With uh, it's kind of. I mean, not so much the same way, but it's the idea like if a filmmaker uses the same cast over and over again, because those cast members get to play these roles in these movies over and over again those actors become a name even if they weren't a name beforehand because they've been playing in those movies so many times right you see what i'm saying so it's like you're building your own stable of actors to end up being names that drive your film although carol baker was this is the tail end of her career technically as far as big fucking things that she did because she was in fucking giant and um what was that other movie she got nominated for a bunch of shit for baby something or something or another i don't remember off the top of my head but um she'd been doing a ton of shit and she was like a warner brothers uh uh contract player throughout the 50s and early 60s and stuff so um but she had a rough time with them and it kind of fucked her career up which is why i think she started doing some of the more not trashier films but they're definitely not the big budget hollywood movies that she started out in yeah quick money grabs yeah yeah i think in the end this film for me is just kind of a one of those where you have to kind of fit it into the right mood um that in itself kind of makes me want to not recommend this film to people unless they're you know giallo completists or lindsay completists um bullfighting completists yep animal cruelty um i know we had uh you mentioned earlier you know the the 
people who go to these movies, you know, they don't always follow along with the plot. And I know we had, uh, I think it was Jason who wrote on our Facebook group something about how, you know, it's not always about the fact that they were just making it for people to go and have fun. And, you know, that was why it was loose storytelling. It was because of that, um, more about sound and image and, and things like that and, and not necessarily a story. And so looking at the sound and image of this film, I didn't see too much that I that really stood out to me other than maybe the soundtrack. I like that music. But like the uh, the location, the the story was just kind of a little, like we mentioned, treaded very close to being nonsensical to make that ending work. And then just like it wasn't, you know, other than the bullfighting, it was just very tame, which I think Lindsay kind of gets a bad reputation for because of his cannibal films but i think from what i hear in essence he really strove to not make his films very bloody or very sexy he wanted to just make you know nice straightforward thrillers or crime films or i will agree with you on that one yeah like his western like yeah later on i guess you know i think for a paycheck but here it's like you were saying how the uh storytelling super loose on this. I think there is a delay. I'm sorry, Eric. Oh, that's okay. um, you were talking about how the storytelling is really loose. And I like the storytelling in this. I think it's more the writing of the dialogue was kind of bland. Yeah. And some of the actors were so hokey. Like the doctor, especially like he kept putting his arm around people and giving this goofy ass smile. And that little kid smiled no matter what she was saying if she was being a bitch or a nice kid or whatever it's just like i think that's what makes this more hokey than not hokey yeah it's but i like the story i i think it's a good story i, I like the story i wish it yeah like it would just been written a little bit better because it just didn't have that tension that i was looking for in these kind of movies outside of that maybe a couple scenes and yeah the dialogue was just kind of out there like we mentioned the cop who's just like well he never showed up so i'm gonna take off leave you here all alone peace bitch yeah, and then the, then the other guy comes on i did like how the other guy came, he came on his motorcycle and then she was trying to get his attention by breaking mirrors and stuff and he it was right when he was starting up his motorcycle that that had a little bit of tension to it i'll give it that i like that part of it but um yeah it just didn't hook me like i was hoping it would there there were it had a good story um and that's part of the reason why i said it, it depends on what mood you're in if you just want to you know you, you don't want to get too invested in the film itself while you're watching it then it's it's fine but if you want you know you're really looking for a good story to get really involved with the characters and, and invest in this in the plot then it's a little hard to give this the recommend wow I recommend this movie for everybody. Okay, I'll I'll be sure to tell my grandma about it. You should. Your grandma would love it. This isn't J bag worthy. This is legit right here. Right. Well then, <laughs> Chris, do you recommend this film to everyone and their mom? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm 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 on the fence in recommending it as a for everyone kind of film um you know you've got so many different levels of giallo appreciation uh there are people who are interested in 
horror movies that have come out during this time period and every once in a while they stumble upon a film that qualifies as a giallo and some of them they like and some of them they don't then you have people who are kind of getting into the actual subgenre and need to start off somewhere that's a little bit more kind of mainstream like an argento or a sergio martino film um and then you have, you know, the people who have gotten through those. Here comes the plane. <laughs> well, I, well, well, hold on just a minute. <laughs> well, Chris Talk is talking. <laughs> Let's get that plane going. Um, yeah. I think what it is is um, Creep has the uh, the airport schedule on his computer, and he, he knows the flight takeoff times, and he waits to ask me questions as soon as the – That's he knows exactly how this works. Because <laughs> as you all know, flights are always on time. Especially, <laughs> Especially when it's pouring rain. <laughs> in L.A. Um, no, so what I was going to say is, you know, if, you, if, if, if you've got people who are are, are starting to peel back the, the, the first layers of, of the giallo movement and are looking into some of the uh, lesser known ones, because I don't know, I have a copy of Knife of Ice, but I don't know where, you know, if you didn't have YouTube and you didn't get it, by nefarious means on the internet. I don't know where you could get a copy of this film. Nefarious. Uh, so it's called sharing. I, you know, everyone's sharing. Everyone's being nice, and we're all sharing yes with each other. So I, I mean, I don't know if it's gotten a DVD release. I haven't even looked it up to see whether it's been released on DVD or not. So um, if, if you're if you're interested in on, in uh, Lindsay because of just you know the, the fact that he's got such a, a, a huge um, resume of films um, this is definitely one to watch I definitely recommend it in that regard uh, if you're a Lenzi fan I recommend it if you're a Giallo fan but I probably wouldn't recommend this as the first thing to watch of Lenzi's uh, because I think Seven Bloodstained Orchids is a better film I so, do not that's where I'm gonna like pull the rug out from everybody I think this is a much better film than Seven Bloodstained Orchids it's no fucking well, I, eyeball I think I think that Seven Bloodstained Orchids is a more conventional giallo. It's got, you know, a it's got a killer. Uh, it's got multiple murders. It's got girls. It's got sex. And, it's got a uh, shitty fucking cast. The medallion thing is just silly to me. And I know that was more of a 60s, 70s thing. You know, that's Antonio Zabato Jr.'s dad in that film. I don't give a fuck if it's Barack Obama's dad. Oh, it's not a bad cast. It's a bad cast, dude. They're, dude, they're awful. The two main, the, the main couple. It's like, hey, let's put two planks of wood up in front of the camera and we'll just kind of move them around. We'll draw faces on them. They're <laughs> awful. They're so bad. Just because they're not Carol Baker. Yeah, I need both of them to be Carol Baker for this movie to work. <laughs> no, but we both could do we could do Bloodstained Orchids at a at another time. Because I like that movie, I just think this one's better. Huh? That's weird. See, I like the other one better. I have to watch them both again, I guess. I have to catch up on. You know, the interesting thing about Lindsay is that. Before, let's see. I don't. I, I guess I should grab the uh, IMDb here, but um, and the wieners. Before this, uh, let's see here. So we've got Knife of Ice. Just keep, bear with me. I'm, I'm pulling up. Uh, uh, Lens. Uh, He's googling. 
I'm Googling his resume here. So, so prior to Knife of Ice, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, um, there is one, two, three, four films um, of his that I haven't seen that are all considered to be Jalos or Jolly. Uh, what's interesting is uh, there were two films called uh two films called orgasmo i think yeah or no two, two well, films called paranoia but one and was one of, orgasmo one was, one was called orgasmo and the other one was called paranoia or is that so sweet so for so perverse uh and then supposedly there's this really interesting one called uh a quiet place to kill uh which was kind of like a long lost jolly oh that's the other one called paranoia okay so it's, it's really confusing and then he has so, an ideal place to kill right on top of that yep but that's all the producers like saying oh this title cashed in this one did good let's call this movie something similar to try to get money on that as well and and uh, the ideal place to kill was also called oasis of fear so um yeah, no, it, it makes me really want to go back and, and watch these earlier ones because now I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of really um, I've really gr- grown accustomed to Lindsay and his Jalo style between Eyeball, Spasmo, Knife of Ice, and Seven Bloodstained Orchids. I mean, the guy put out what eight Jalo in in a six year period. Or I Jolly? think he was the guy. Like, for, like yeah. I know everyone says like our gentle. Fulci, but like I think he did more than any of them did during that period, right? Martino included. It just happens to be that he, for whatever reason, didn't get noticed in the same way that Argento got noticed. And I don't know if we're talking about, you know, some sort of political thing where you know, Daddy has, you know, Argento's dad had all the money, and so he automatically got. Um, he, he automatically got the publicity that he needed, or maybe it was because Argento's films were considered to be a little bit more classy. I don't know. Well, I, mean, I think Argento wanted it more, too, because Lindsay was another one of those guys that was coming out of the the Western shit. You know, he was right. just a working fucking director. So there's all that shit, too. Yeah, that's a good point. But um, what I was going to say is if you are looking for these movies um, either on YouTube or by other nefarious means you have to be really careful because you have no idea how many times I've downloaded a movie and it was the same movie as another title movie oh, right. like, his movies are like it's really a pain in the ass I'm not going to fucking lie about it people when you get into all those ones with the similar titles and shit <clears throat> was it like it, La Casa really or something like they tried to rename all the or it was it was that one and then the demons <laughs> getting into the demons run that's just messy yeah right totally okay hey, just for anybody out there who would like to find a legitimate copy of this at least uh in america there is a dvd put out by wham and i don't mean the george michael band liar uh, wham usa is the studio they released a uh, DVD of Knife of Ice. Uh, Amazon has it. Um, it's only 18 bucks. Well, um, there you go. Christmas shopping. 
There you Made it easy from Jalo Chow Chow. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who liked alternate titles of this movie, well, here's another thing I did. Because this movie was called Knife of Ice, and I had no idea why it was called Knife of Ice, <clears throat> I went and I started looking up titles that had the word ice in it from anywhere from 70 to 72. And I couldn't really find anything except there was a television show called, like, Ice Palace or something like that. But that sounded more like a comedy. And um, there was a porno called um, The Ice House that had some people from Deep Throat in it. Ice penis. Yeah, it was kind of like a but um, I, I just don't understand. This is one of those movies like you no know when like you have a Jalo with some crazy title, but you can kind of see where they came up with the title. This one I just don't fucking get at all. Can I can I enlighten you? I would love you to enlighten me. Well, right in the beginning of the film, at least the version I saw, and maybe this was different than the ones that you saw or that have been released. But they did put up a splash of a uh, of an Edgar Allan Poe quote that said, "Fear is a knife of ice which penetrates the senses down to the depth of conscience." And so I think they were attributing it to the fact that when you have that feeling of fear, or fear strikes you, it feels like a dagger being sent into your nerves or your senses, and it feels like you know that cold sensation of ice. Stab I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Well, that's <laughs> no, I, I know. I, no, I, I saw it there, and it was in fucking Italian or Spanish, so I didn't know what the fuck it said. Oh, but okay. I saw that it said EA Poe, and I'm like, oh, it's a Poe thing. I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> but oh. then at that point, it's almost like saying that by that token, you can say that this is an Edgar Allan Poe adaptation, just like the Roger Corman movies were <laughs> Poe adaptations. Oh, I think and then that makes this even worse. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I think they um, were just trying to be cute with, you know, oh yeah, this movie's so called Knife of Ice. Someone read something in Poe and said, ooh, that's a great title. That's what we writers do, isn't it? Movie. Stat. Well, that's what producers do, because they're a bunch of cocksuckers. Uh-huh. Love you, producers. But, um... So anyway, so um, in Portugal, this was released as the Ice Cleaver. In um, uh, the Greek video release was Bloodied Dagger. And then the Greek normal release, like theatrical, I guess, was Blood on the Frozen Blade. Now, and I am not killing a baby, okay? (laughs) That's just another fun atmospheric noise that happens out here. You've got all kinds of things on that soundboard of yours. I know. It's like a fucking living in a cuckoo clock over here. Um, The USA dub version was released as Silent Horror. And then in Spain, (laughs) I swear to God, is that baby getting closer? I'm really scared right now. I know, dude. It's like the cold dagger of fear. Here's some great conscience. um, it is. And then in... Fucking duck, man. And then in Spain, it was Behind the Silence, which I think that's probably the best title for this one. Behind the Silence. Behind the Silence? Behind the Mask of Silence, I would have done with that. Behind the Silence is not what we'll be calling this podcast. No. Episode. Absolutely. 
<laughs> and I still think she should have, uh, everyone, that should have been faked. And it was just a reason to get her to talk. That would have been <laughs> the best. You should ending. remake this film and, and do, <sighs> take liberties with it. I totally, I'm going to say it's an Edgar Allan Poe adaptation. <laughs> oh. That would be the money. Yep. Yep. Edgar Allan Poe's Behind the Silence. <laughs> a vice. A vice. <laughs> That's so awesome. All right, so we've had uh, pizza, we've had uh, rain, airplanes, and babies on this particular podcast episode. Unbelievable. Pizza might have been preceding it. I don't know if we caught some of that in there. I don't think you did. Oh, no, probably didn't. You're right. But I'm sure there was, like, a dog, like, ice skating on its fucking fingernails on the hardwood, driving me fucking crazy. So, uh, I'm sure that happened. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) This has been one of those episodes, man. swear to God. What? I, uh... For each one of these episodes, I sit underneath our hardwood floor in the basement, and my dog likes to chase the cats around often, so I've got my finger quickly on the mute button. I'm ready for it. Oh, see, you're so much better than me. I just don't care. <laughs> I should. Who doesn't have a mute button? <laughs> I'm sure I could make a mute button happen. I just, yeah, dude, fuck. You guys make me feel guilty all the time. Um, Chris, what did this get on the Jalo score? I'm still laughing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm just thinking about the time when I'll, I'll go to into a long tirade about something, and then all of a sudden you'll hear like the the coffee machine pouring a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm like, where's the mute button? He doesn't have one. Okay. Now we know. Oh wow! So I'm just I, a noisy motherfucker in the background. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, the Jalo score. That's right. That's why we're all here, actually, to promote my site. Yeah, right. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Black Market Blood Drive is available for purchase now on Amazon. <laughs> oh, man. What? All right. Well, let's see. You can buy um, my blood. $50. The Jalo score is uh, three different. Uh, has, we, we've, we've scored three different Umberto Lenzi uh films on Jalo score seven bloodstained orchids eyeball and knife of ice seven bloodstained orchids got an 84 eyeball got an 83 and knife of ice got an a 69 what a bunch of crap <laughs> Did you give it points for bullfighting as a form of race? I did not. I probably should have. Yes. Um, The major omission in uh, this film was the lack of any amateur detective. I mean, do you want to call Uncle Ralph an amateur detective? I mean, not really, right? What about the doctor? He's the one who kind of figured the whole thing out, isn't he? He's the one who takes credit for it. But I mean, you know, that's the funny thing. But no about one's this. proving their innocence in this. So yeah. what's I, interesting I, about this film is that, you know, we follow Martha around um, and she's really not trying to figure out who the killer is. She's really just trying to kind of survive from one scene to the next. Um, 
And then we realize at the end that there was a reason why she wasn't trying to figure out who the killer was because it was her. But um, because she's the main character and because we follow her movements more than anybody else in the film and everybody else is, you know, everybody else is characterized by their shifty eyes and their close-ups and the music to be a suspect, but they never really intentionally frame Martha as a suspect. Um, you know, she's got the scene where she finds her cousin under the um, under the car, and she tries to scream for a second. And um, you know, it's the 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 question that it then becomes obviously is, you know, how much is this, you know, how much of this is she acting, and and who is she acting it for other than the viewer, you know, because there's nobody else in the garage. Um, she just has to pretend that, you know, she doesn't know that. Do you she think has... she's crazy? Yeah, she might be crazy. I mean, maybe she's got some schizophrenic thing where um, she doesn't know what she's doing. But, I mean, you know, it's it's that whole unreliable narrator thing kind of creeping its head up again. And, uh, you know, in, in various times where she's she's really put in a position to to be the victim um, and she acts like the victim. And so I guess the, the point is that she really wasn't doing any investigating. She wasn't doing any detecting. And I really didn't see anybody else doing any detecting. So I didn't give the film any points for an amateur detective. Um, and I thought the police did a good job, for the most part, um, in, in you know following the clues and, and uh, dealing with the suspects and the murders and whatnot. So... And um, she's she's not killed at the end, you know. So that she loses point. They lose points for that when that uh, when they're when they go home or when they go to jail or whatever it is, um, and they get let off by the police or put in a squad car or whatever, you know, you lose points for that. It's only five, but it's five crucial points. So, um, but for the rest of the rest of the score i mean it uh it did pretty well we didn't see any nudity i gave it points for a um did i give it points for multiple killers maybe i didn't um because i mean you could consider uh the satanist guy to be uh, a killer really i mean you know, it, the, the the whole idea on the Jalo score about there being multiple killers isn't so much that there are two people killing. It's more about the fact that, you know, something people happened at other people's hands. Yeah. I mean, somebody died and they're they're trying to, you know, the killer, the, the actual main killer is using that to their advantage to, like, take the take the suspicion off them. Like that. That's one of the main themes in the Jalo, which is, you know, you know. You knew that this, you know, even even in the very earliest ones, um, I think what girl who knew too much, the the idea was that uh, there were two murders, uh, the alphabet murders, and then the woman came and um, she murdered somebody with the letter C, um, and you know to put the blame on this alphabet killer to take the take the, the suspicion off her. So um, that that's where that that point comes in. So I don't know. Would you give? Um, would you give this film points for that for the uh, for the Satanist guy? I would, and I would give him points for the doctor being an amateur detective since he's the one who figured out the thing. But I understand why you did it. Yeah. I thought that the hippie later stated that 
person that he was accused of killing didn't die or that he... Well, he said she OD'd and then he threw right. her off a cliff and oh. then went and buried her under rocks. That right. sounds a little suspicious. <laughs> exactly. Well, but I know they tested her and they said that she died of an overdose, so that might get him out of the woods. But yeah, yeah, and that's why I didn't. I think initially why I didn't give him the the points for that because he really didn't kill anybody and he wasn't an accomplice to what Martha was doing. And again, the idea of an amateur detective is that you're following that person through the film. Yeah. You're, 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 you're witnessing as they, as they uncover the clues. And, That's and, true. And I don't know that the doctor really did that much. They did that, that one scene where they reenacted exactly what was happening. Do you which, think his powder blue turtleneck should have been arrested? Yes. Yeah. I agree. Is, is there a point what can this? you arrest a sweater for? Yeah. For being a Satanist and being from England. <laughs> that should be enough. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, I think if you're acting more as a suspect through a majority of the film, then you can't technically be also the amateur detective. I think that's also a law. It could be. Mm. Sounds about right. <laughs> I think it's fair. I think this movie is more of like a Hitchcock thriller than, you know, than it should be pinned as a, I mean, it is a Jalo film, but it probably doesn't get the high score because it, you know, of all those different elements. She wore black gloves when she killed her sister. Mm-hmm. She's legit. I didn't see a whole lot of J&B, although there was a table full of alcohol. There was. I was looking for it. out in the house. I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Have a drink, sister. No. No J and B though. Couldn't afford the J and B. No, who can? Not really. In this economy. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Well, I enjoyed it, and this was a fun episode. And next time, what movie are we doing? It's Eric's Perversion. pick, isn't it? Yeah. Which yep. uh, which title should I go with? Let's go with Perversion on Story. Top. That's my favorite one. Oh, I heard one for one on top of the other. Yep. Yeah. It's that Fulci film. Oh, Una Su Ultra is the other one, right? Yeah, it's that one he did. I think it was 1969. So that one I think is a little more. Also known as Golden Gate Patty Cake. (laughs) Yes, that's probably the one you'll find it under in most spots. So type that in. Yeah, for real. You'll find it somewhere. Awesome. Good show, guys. I agree. I'd like to give a shout out to um, our friend Maddie Taylor, uh, who is from New Zealand, who friended me up on Facebook, who listens to the podcast and uh, is a big uh, Jalo aficionado and loves our show. Um, I've been corresponding with him from time to time, just talking about. Uh, films and where to get them and, uh, and that sort of thing and uh, he's a big fan of ours so I just want to say what's up to Maddie and uh, <clears throat> it's I think it's yesterday there or maybe it's tomorrow I'm not sure which <laughs> the future he's an aspiring filmmaker like our very own Creep Creeperson yeah I'm an aspiring filmmaker I hope that one you've already, day you've already I'll made be it. able to do something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know how to make movies now. I just hope that someday I get paid well for that's, it. Yeah, that's what—that's the one. Instead thing. of getting raped by assholes. 
we need to figure out that last key element. Yeah. Um, it's good times. Maddie's the shit, though. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'd like to give a shout-out to our foreign correspondent, whom I do have a question for, actually, but maybe it's not in his realm of knowledge because this took place in Spain. But I wanted to know if every grave was lined with brick. Or is lined with yeah, dude. Overseas. That was weird. So that's and point. I also want to know if people, as soon as they're done eating dinner, get up and go to bed. Yeah, that's bad for the metabolism. I maybe it was, a, maybe it was so. a late dinner. Well, you know, in Spain, they have a really humongous lunch, right? And so then they just have like a little oh, yeah. light meal at the end of the day. That's true. So maybe that's what it was. And do a lot of people wear yellow shirts with cocks on them? Mm-hmm. I'll be dazzled. Because Chris wants that shirt. I gotta find it for him for Christmas. Yeah, yeah I do. Gotta get it. Find any Black <clears throat> Friday sales for that? You know what? He actually answered some questions of a previous episode. I and I don't think we read them on the last one. Okay, I didn't remember if we answered those or not. I gotta find it. We'll, we'll, we'll do that on the next one. We'll do a big... Because I have to find it. Yeah, we'll do a big Al Owens contribution show. All right. A big Al. Big Al. I don't want Yeah, I don't want to say anything disparaging about Al. Al's the shit. Yeah. Totally. All right, guys. Well... That's it, I think. And now we'll play you out with the trailer from Perversion Story. Until next time, everybody. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. ciao. Well, right after Mrs. Moriarty died, you went upstairs, but you say you saw and heard nothing. That's right, sir. She was lying there dead. Yes, that's right, sir. The prisoner was led from death row to the closely guarded cubicle where he's scheduled to wait out the last few hours before entering the gas chamber. The death vigil. His attorney, Rod Mitchell, would not reveal what new elements he had in hand to convince the governor to order a stay of execution. Quentin. Never before has permission been granted to film the interior of the prison. We were allowed to enter death row and inspect the gas chamber minutes before a scheduled execution. The executioner, the guards, all the personnel of this institution, many of them who were present when Carol Chessman was executed, reenacted the same scenes, relived the same dramatic moments to bring you this film.
a shocking, revealing account of what our society is beginning to take for granted, to accept as a way of life. You'll be holding your breath from San Francisco to New York to Paris. A mystery thriller true to our times. You'll be living the truth that once was fiction.